Section 29 of the Complete Works of Brand the Iconoclast, Volume 12. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jim Gallagher. The Complete Works of Brand the Iconoclast, Volume 12. Section 29. Brand the Fool. By Albert Hubbard editor of the philistine it's a grave subject bran is dead bran was a fool the fools were the wisest men at court and shakespeare who dearly loved a fool placed his wisest sayings in the mouths of men who wore the motley when he adorned a man with a cap and bells it was as though he had given bonds for both that man's humanity and intelligence neither shakespeare nor any other writer of books ever dared to depart so violently from the truth as to picture a fool whose heart was filled with perfidy. The fool is not malicious. Stupid people may think he is, because his language is charged with the lightning's flash, but they are the people who do not know the difference between an incubator and an eggplant. Touchstone, with unfailing loyalty, follows his master with quip and quirk into exile. When all, even his daughters, have forsaken King Lear, the fool bears himself to the storm and covers the shaking old man with his own cloak. And when, in our own day, we meet the avatars of Trinculo, Costard, Mercutio, and Jacques, we find they are men of tender susceptibilities, generous hearts, and intellects keen as a rapier's point. Bran was a fool. Bran shook his cap, flourished his bauble, gave a toss to that fine head, and with tongue in cheek, asked questions and propounded conundrums that stupid hypocrisy could not answer so they killed Bran. Bran was born in obscurity. Very early he was cast upon the rocks and nourished at the she-wolf's teeth. He graduated at the University of Hard Knocks, and during his short life took several post-doctorate courses. He had been wage-earner, printer's devil, printer, pressman, editor. He knew the world of men, the struggling, sorrowing, hoping, laughing, sinning world of men. And to those whom God had tempted beyond what they could bear, his heart went out. He read books with profit, and got great panoramic views out into the world of art and poetry, dreaming dreams and sending his swaying filament of thought out and out, hoping it would somewhere catch and he would be in communion with another world. Discreet and cautious little men are known by the company they keep. The fool was not particular about his associates. Children, sick people, insane folks, rich or poor, it made no difference to him. He sometimes even sat at meat with publicans and sinners. He was a mystic and lived in the ideal. This deeply religious quality in his nature led him into theology, and he became a clergyman, a Baptist clergyman. But no church is large enough to hold such a man as this. The fool quality in his nature outcrops, and the jingle of bells makes sleep to the chief pew-holder impossible. So the fool had to go. Then he founded that unique periodical which, in three years, attained a circulation of 90,000 copies. This paper was not used for pantry shelves, lamp lighters, or other base utilitarian purposes. It cost ten times as much as a common newspaper, and the people who bought it read it until it was worn out. All the things in this paper were not truth. Mixed up amid a world of wit were often extravagance and much bad taste. It was only a fool's newspaper. In this periodical the fool railed and jeered and stated facts about smirking complacency, 
facts so terrible that folks said they were indecent. He flung jibes at stupidity, and stupidity sought to answer criticism by assassination. Texas has a libel law patterned after the libel law of the state of New York. If a man takes from you your good name, you can put him behind bars and place shutters over the windows of his place of business. The people who thought Brand had injured them did not invoke the law. They invoked Judge Lynch. A mob seized the fool and, placing a rope about his neck, led him naked through the October night out to the theological seminary, which they declared he had traduced. There they smote him with the flat of their hands and spat upon him. It was their intention to hang the fool, but better counsel prevailed, and on his signing in Torerum, a document they placed before him, they gave him warning to depart to another state, and on his promising to do so, they let him go. But the next day he refused to leave, and his flashing wit still filled the air, now embittered through the outrage visited upon him. His enemies held prayer meetings, invoking divine aid for the fool's conversion or extinction. One man quoted David's prayer concerning Shimei, Bring thou down his hoar head to the grave in blood. And others still prayed, Let his children be fatherless, and his wife a widow. But still the fool flourished his bauble. Then they shot him. That hand which wrote the most Carlylian phrase of any in America is cold and stiff. That teeming brain, which held a larger vocabulary than that of any man in America, is only clay that might stop a hole to keep the wind away. That soul, through which surge thoughts too great for speech, has gone a journey in. Bran is dead. No more shall we see that lean, clean, homely face with its melancholy smile. No more shall we hear the fool eloquently, and oh, so foolishly, plead the cause of the weak, the unfortunate, the vicious. No more shall we behold the tears of pity glisten in those sad eyes, as his heart was wrung by the tale of suffering and woe. His children are fatherless, his wife a widow. Bran the fool is dead. The Mirror, April 14, 1898 End of section 29 Recording by Jim Gallagher